Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and distinguished listeners to Navigate with I.D. Enang. Such an honor and privilege to be here today. I'm grateful to God for the gift of life. I'm equally grateful for you that you are alive, that you are kicking. Friends, it's really a tough time. One can never tell. The best thing to do is just to ensure that we live a life of continuous thanksgiving and grateful thoughts to our Creator. You know, it's been all kinds of news flying in the last 24, 48 loved ones and uh, equally you know from um, a standpoint of shock and surprise last night i watched as our gallant super falcons you know dropped off the ladder but it was a gallant fight friends you know what i just said uh, over the years i've been a very solid supporter of the super eagles yes in a way supported the falcons by extension but i'm switching tents friends Yesterday, I made a conscious decision like that from now on, I'll make the Super Falcons my first team and they'll relegate Super Eagles and the rest of them to the other secondary levels. I mean it. Those girls, or women rather, came out in a way and manner you would see the true Niger spirit holding the Moroccans all the way through and by shell toast of faith. Yes, it was. Not meant to be, but they should hold themselves very high. You wonder why? We're looking at, uh, this is a business school on radio, and um, you know a lot of things happen, and most times we don't understand that the present actually defines so many things going forward. And so in the context of um, the study we are taking on and the look at how to deal with people, I'd like to go to a subject that is rarely touched upon. And that subject is about meetings. You wonder why I got into the Falcons net, more or less. That was a meeting of its own kind. We all have meetings. So we'll be looking at meetings as a subject, the why and the how. Dear friends, meetings present a curious paradox. They ought to be the shared moment when information is discussed, when ideas are debated, and when great plans are formed, yet all too often, many people leave meetings feeling two hours older and not a jot wiser. What exactly went wrong? Have you been in such situations? Every one of us as business people, even not the talking business, we as people in our personal lives, we hold meetings. So do we really come out of it feeling very great do we feel dandy or we come out of it feeling you know that you've aged and in some cases you feel used what exactly went wrong or what exactly is going wrong or has gone wrong the truth is that managing a group dynamic is harder than it seems and it is made worse by the fact that all too often 
we all lodge into meetings with every little forethought about how to make the encounter a constructive one. You know, what I'm about to tell you will shock you. A lot of people go into meetings very unprepared. A lot of people are not even in the scheme of things expected to be at certain meetings, but they are called in. Now I understand why in life, one of the greatest set of words that have really stayed with me has been the words, be prepared. I was a young cop and later became a scout. Right in my primary days, I was a cop and then became a scout. You know what I mean? You don't go straight to being a scout. You have to be a cop, first of all, and then you then transit into being a full scout. And those days, the mantra for the scout movement was be prepared. If only we had such still running. Lord Gordon Powell, he was a leader. He used to wear khaki. If you of that stock, you'll understand that when we talked about Lord Powell, it was always about preparedness and being there. The Boy Scout movement at that point in time played a critical role in my life and in the life of young people at that time. And it formed a major crux, which a lot of us have missed. Be prepared. That mantra is critical in every aspect. And so when people come into meetings without a forethought about how to make that same encounter a constructive one, they've already missed a bit. They've already put themselves in a place where they will either be terrorized or they'll come out feeling good. Like most aspects of life, and particularly office life, meetings benefit from a bit of pre-planning and a healthy dose of common sense. Did you hear me? Meetings benefit from a bit of pre-planning. That is, before you come, you must have done some pre-work. The pre-work is not you carrying a pen and a pencil and a paper. Yes, that could be a form of it. The pre-work is really around thinking. Very many people don't do any pre-work. They don't pre-plan and they don't prepare and they just show up. But in doing that, you need a very healthy dose of common sense, which unfortunately isn't very common. I remember my good friend and big brother, Ben Brooks, the common sense senator. He said, all I'm just saying is just common sense. But it is not common. If it was, very many people will not find themselves in the place where they are. By the way, because this is a business school type discussion, I want you to see the scope of meetings, not just limited to business, but any encounter. That is why I started by saluting our Super Falcons. The meeting they had with the lionesses of Morocco yesterday was an absolutely fabulous meeting. And they came out not feeling bruised, and I hope they don't, but they came out very, very great. As far as I'm concerned, they went 10 notches higher. Why? Mental strength, mental capability. They were mentally prepared and psychologically there. That is what I mean by a strong dose 
of common sense. The sense drives the entire mental framework. How you handle a meeting depends on whether you are either chairing it or you're simply one of the attendees. Now, this is where the scope differs a bit because sometimes people just find themselves calling for a meeting, chairing the meeting, and there is no direction because the chairperson, whether a man or a woman, was not prepared. The chairperson just happened to call for a meeting. Maybe there is an issue or maybe it's normal routine. Routine meaning a management routine in your office every Monday. Most companies, most corporations have the Monday meeting drive. Everybody, by 9 o'clock, you are all in there for three, four hours. Some cases in some companies, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, meeting, 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 and you are dosed with meetings. And I always wonder, when exactly do they have time to work? They spend all their hours in meetings. When you want to know that a meeting is productive, check the output. Check the level of the intellect. Check the level of contributions and, to a large extent, impute. Many times, it's a solo run. Is this so-called boss or chairman that wants to hear his voice? Is the only one that goes up and down, in and out, and every other person is an onlooker? They get so drained. So there are two roles in a meeting. Either you are chairing it or you are just an attendee. But then let's look at it very critically. It appears that chairing a meeting is much an easier task. Don't you think so? Because you start with a good degree of control. You are the one in control. If you are the one in the chair, there are so many things at your beck and call. Number one, the attendees will listen to you because I'm Mr. Chairman. What the chairman says, everybody must be quiet. But God help you if you have some person in that group who is a nonconformist. He will take you on, not physically, but by questioning, by challenging some of your thoughts, some of the things you're putting on the table. Because if you do not have a sense of democratic centralism, you're dead on arrival as a chair. What do I mean by democratic centralism? It's a system where you have ideas coming from the bottom and decisions coming from the top. So there are rules of engagement when you are sitting as a chair. There are certain things that you have to concentrate on and you must do. There are also rules of engagement if you are an attendee. You can call them et the etiquette of chairing a meeting. There is meeting etiquette. But in the real sense, the ethos is not really what everybody gets to know about. Very many people don't even understand why they are there. They just know that every Monday we meet, sir. Every Wednesday we meet. Every Friday we meet. But let me tell you something. Have you ever imagined how a board meeting is held and when it's going to be held? It is properly documented and processed. The board papers are given to the attendees days before, three weeks before, even having the shareholders meeting, an annual general meeting. Sometimes you have it three weeks to a month. It is not done haphazardly. And so all the board members have access to all the board papers. 
Now, even sometimes in the board meeting, not everybody goes through those papers. By the time the secretary sends the board papers to all and sundry, some people glaze over it. But when you get to the board meeting and issues are brought up, and you just say, um, 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 and the vote has to be passed, and you raise your hand for something you didn't prepare or preplan, you've just messed up your constituency. Your constituency could be your function or unit. Your constituency could be the person you are standing in for as proxy. Your constituency could be the share owner who you are representing. Your constituency could be you as a person who is sitting in the chair. And so, friends, I don't want us to walk away with a notion from today that meetings are just meetings. I want you to take it seriously. And so there are several tasks that will come upon you if you are the chairman or chairperson. Number one, you have to be clear in your mind before the meeting what you want to get out of it. Listen, I come into any meeting I am invited to and I ask, what is the purpose of the meeting? You may not have an agenda, but you must have an objective. There must be a purpose. So for me, I'm already saying to myself, what is one takeaway or two that I want out of this meeting? Pam, pam. And I know that as I go through that agenda of mine, I must come out of it because I would like to feel fulfilled. It is called the OK Coral. The OK Coral is one of the uh, concepts I use typically when I'm teaching, um, you know, or coaching rather. When I'm coaching, I talk about the OK Coral. Coral is spelled C-O-R-R-A-L. There's a quadrant that speaks to, I am okay, you are okay. That is the best place to be. It's called the win-win. There is, I'm okay, you are not okay. There is, you are okay, I am not okay. And of course, there is, I am not okay, you are not okay. If you can think about what I've just said to you, and you put them all in four quadrants, or it could be a circle, and then you have them in four parts. You will always remember that strategically, when you're going into a meeting, let the OK Coral speak to you. There are times you just know that you want to be a spoiler. That could be your objective. That is the output. You see, this meeting we are going for, there is nothing that they will do. I go scatter up. And you are going in there to scatter. And when I mean scatter, you are forever coming on the other side of the fence. Sometimes it is good to play that role. It depends on the subject in question. When you find people are doing certain things that are not in the absolute good of the entire, the larger group or the larger society, you can choose to be a spoiler. It is also a good role. It's strategic. Depends. So you must be clear in your mind before the meeting what you want to get out of it. Meetings which finish badly are always meetings which start badly. And why is that so? The reason why they start and end badly is because the person in charge wasn't clear from the outset about the outcome they wanted. Mr. Chairman, Mr. Chairperson, Madam Chairperson, Madam Chairman, do you have a clear understanding of what you want to get out of that meeting you are chairing. If you don't, the meeting most likely will finish poorly and badly. 
egos may be bruised, relationships may be crushed, scattered, shattered. And so what do you do if you find yourself in a position of being a chair? Now, circumstances do happen. Apart from you knowing that you are the chairman of this group or you've been appointed the chairman of this meeting, you must pre-plan, prepare. There are times things may just fall on you. The lot may fall on you. What do I mean? You attend the meeting like every other person, and for some odd reason, you get a phone call. And that phone call comes 30 minutes before the meeting, one hour before the meeting, and sometimes it would just be 10 minutes before the meeting. And the phone call is from the chairman. And he says, ID, I'm sorry I can't make the meeting. I'm stuck in traffic or have a family emergency or have a personal emergency. Could you please chair the meeting? Hey, all heavens declare. At that point in time, if you are not one of those persons who would have seen responsibility ahead of it coming, you'll be pushed into a moving train. That is why it's important that even as a floor member or attendee, if you're going for a meeting, go with the mindset that you could actually be made to chair that meeting. If the Lord falls on me, what exactly would I do? What do I want out of this meeting? Now, I can tell you one secret way to get out of such a spot, you know, 10 minutes to the time, 15 minutes, the chairman calls and says to you, ID, please chair the meeting. Number one, the chairman calling you wouldn't be just out of the blues. You would have gotten the telltale signs that you are someone, either you're the most senior in ranking, in title or context, or you're one person who is seen to be very balanced. You may not be the most senior. Early days of my career, in my late 20s, then at Guinness, when my bosses will ask me to go chair a meeting, I recall when I was brand manager for September, very many times I'll go in and my boss, Ekunife Okoli, won't be around. And he said, ID, um, the marketing director has asked me to do X, Y, Z. So you have to chair the meeting, either with the agency or with our colleagues. So go in. And I started at that point in time to teach myself some very hard truths. Number one is the sense of accountability. If you are going for a meeting all the time, you must have a deep sense of accountability. And what does that mean? If it has to be, it is up to me. And so what do you take as a leverage from that? It helps to write down your thoughts. So put your thoughts down. That's what Abacock said. He talked about visioning. Whatever thoughts you have, put it down. Write it down. Make it plain. So everyone that will run will run with it. Even if there is no agenda specifically put together, you can start by putting down your own thoughts and internally begin to debate your hopes and fears about the meeting in advance with yourself or with one of the other people who will be at the meeting. So you have a GTP. What is a GTP? You must have a go-to person. Who is a go-to person? in your small community, either your department, in your unit, your office, your company, in your home, in your church, in the mosque, anywhere you have 
people meeting, you must have a GTP. GTP is a title that tells you about responsibility. It tells you that people are looking at you and holding you in high esteem. So, and it is reciprocal. A go-to person talks and speaks to reciprocity. That person, you can always go to in advance and bounce things off them. Sometimes I talk about it as a backboard. This is my person. That is your go-to person. So if the lot falls on you suddenly and you didn't plan for it, at least you must have your own thoughts and beg. Put your thoughts down. The first port of call or your first bus stop will be your go-to person in that meeting or in that community. Sound him out. Sound her out. She will give you his or her thoughts. And then when you get to the meeting, you can start from the standpoint of saying, folks, as you are aware, the chairman is not able to make this meeting and he has asked that I stand in for him. And so to that extent, I know that we have an agenda and this is the agenda. That is the easier one. If there is no agenda and objective, you have to set it. So knowing fully well that there isn't an agenda for this meeting, I'd like to put forward some of my thoughts and I'd like you to chime in as you find fit. And then you go ahead and stamp. The word is stamp. You are stamping your authority by saying items one, two, three, four are the things I want us to talk about before you open it to a debate. If you don't stamp your authority and your thoughts as a chair of the meeting, people are going to stampede you. They will take over that meeting and that's when you'll see that you lost it, that the meeting has ended before it even started. So what you do before you meet determines much of what happens when you meet. And that's the essence of it. So this is for you as a chairman or chairperson. The second thing or second task you must find yourself doing is that you must start the meeting by spelling out quickly all the different grounds you want to cover. I talked about it in passing in the first case. But in this sense, I'm saying not only spelling out the grounds you want to cover, what results you hope for. Then you begin to tell people, this is my destination. These are the outcomes of what I expect coming out of here and how long you want the meeting to last. Very important. Hey, Nigerians, businessmen, do you know that I'm telling you, starting from my old boys at station where I, I have the privilege of serving as deputy president. And thank you, uh, my president, Akifatunke, we know this. You know, once upon a time when we used to go for the executive meetings, we'll get to school. Then on Sundays, we used to hold our meetings. And I'm saying this, I'm sorry, my old boys will kick me, but it's okay. We'll get in there, we'll plan to have the meeting at four. But on the Sunday, guys will just stroll in. Yeah, of course, the president would have been there. Our president then was Mr. Larry, the fantastic gentleman. He will be on time. And then, yes, you can actually say it's a day, Sunday, family, church, responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. And guys start coming in, say, for five. So for me, the first thing is, why fix a meeting for four when you know people over time getting by five? And most of these people have responsibilities in their various churches or to their families. And we hold this once a month. Now, we start at five, supposedly. 
and we are there eight, nine, four, five hours, and what are we doing? We are talking about deep matters about our alma mater. People are expressing passion. It's a waste of time. Five hours over what? Bros, people don't tire. You come to a business setting because you are the MD or because you are the GM or the senior manager, you call everybody. All of you come to my office or you come to the office on Saturday and they come in at nine. At three o'clock, you are still there. Say you are meeting. You are not meeting. That meeting is dead on arrival. You must, as chairman, set how long you want the meeting to last. But if you say you are going to get it done in an hour, you have to keep that promise. But if it's going to stray, let people know up front. I know this is something you may just think that we gloss over, but it takes a deep, deep part of negative energy. Friends, we'll be back on the second half as we continue looking at this big subject that we all take for granted called meetings. Don't go away. We just want to pay some bills. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and distinguished listeners to Navigate with ID. Such an honor and privilege uh, to welcome our first-time listeners, just in case you just happen to come on this beautiful station. Bid you welcome. This is your business school on radio, and um, yours truly, I have the privilege you know, to share thoughts and also to learn from the audience. Today, we are looking at um, a big ticket item, which we all take for granted, but we all partake in, called meetings. So we are trying to find the why than the house. And we started by talking about the fact that meetings present a curious paradox. There ought to be the shared moment when information is discussed, when ideas are debated, and when great plans are formed. Yet, all too often, people leave meetings feeling two hours older and not a jot wiser. What exactly went wrong? And we went on to prefer that, like most aspects of office life, Meetings benefit from a bit of pre-planning and a healthy dose of common sense. And that how you handle a meeting depends on whether you are chairing it or you're simply one of the attendees. Chairing a meeting is much an easier task because you start with a good degree of control. If you're the one in the chair, there are certain tasks you have to concentrate on. Number one, I said, be clear in your mind before the meeting what you want to get out of it. Number two, I said, start the meeting by spelling out quickly what ground you want to cover, what results you hope for, and how long you want the meeting to last. Just before the break, I was talking about a, a past experience we used to have early days when we have our echo meeting for my old boys at station. And we could spend four or five hours, you know, debating with all passion. But these days, it has changed. You know, it has changed. The current president and indeed the ESCO. We, may, we will definitely not go beyond two hours. And if it's two hours, we, we'll call it off. Two hours it is. And that's a good time to talk about everything and anything about our alma mater. That goes for you in the things you do. I turn around and look at the privilege I have as um, president and chairman of the governing council of the National Institute of Marketing. When I hold town hall meetings with our distinguished colleagues and members, I always tell them it's for 90 minutes. And we strive to hit the 90-minute button. It's a game of two halves, just like football. 90 minutes is a good thing. 60 minutes, okay. But when it gets to five, seven, eight hours, boy, 
that is in a meeting. That in itself, I don't want to call the word, but it is in a meeting. It has gone beyond the meeting. It is now a conference. And that conference, even conferences, they do have breaks. But in this, sometimes most people don't even let it happen. So the lot falls on you, Mr. Chairman or Mr. Chairperson or Mr. whatever title you have. You must start the meeting by spelling out quickly what ground you want to cover, what results you hope for, and for how long you want the meeting to last. I hope you can all hear me. Even if it's your village meeting, even if it's a family meeting, you must give people a sense of how long you want it to last. Therein lies the juice that will keep the energy and the mental strength. Lastly, Mr. Chairman, you must run the meeting in a way that allows everyone to say a bit and no one, importantly, that includes you, to say too much. Very many times you have one or two speakers who carry the entire airtime. A-I-R, airtime, like you buy airtime on radio, like you buy airtime to speak. And you know, Nigerians naturally, we like to speak. That's why WhatsApp call has finished anybody you know, working on the voice part, they prefer WhatsApp call so they can talk infinitum. Talk, talk. They carry that attitude into a meeting. And some people just make it a point of duty to comment on every subject. And even the chairman or the boss sometimes wants to tell everybody, I own this company. And to that extent, everything I say, everybody must listen. You must run a meeting as chairperson or chairman in a way that allows everyone to say a bit and no one, I repeat, no one to say too much. That's very easy to prescribe, but very hard to do. You have to run the meeting like a series of conversations, not a series of short lectures, except, of course, the meeting is defined to lecture or teach or coach. You must encourage the shy ones to speak up by asking them directly to give their views, not setting them up. Prompt them, prep them, and let them come through. Let them feel confident. Friends, one thing that I must tell you that is in short supply is confidence. Not everybody wears it. In fact, I say this with every sense of duty and grace to God and humility, that it's probably one of my greatest assets. Because confidence building is not unto everybody. Some people will have to, you know, the, you know, the way you have to get, in those days, it used to be those tippers that would tip out lorries that would carry sand. They called them Bedford. And they would cut, get something, there's something they would take to the front of the truck and they will wind it and wind it and wind it for it to start before it kicks in. You need to wind some people to get them in. They can be shy, they can be introverted, or they could be just be the silent ones. But underneath, is a sense of confidence may be lacking. Keep the opinionated ones in line by saying, that's an interesting point. What do the rest of you feel about that? Throw it out. Let others comment. But if there's the bully that is the one feeling everybody must hear me, you have to find a way to deflate his or her balloon. And how you do that is by pushing it back from the individual to the group. You can cut the talkative ones short without putting them down. It's a strategy. Chairing a meeting requires some sanctified common sense. And I said so. You need a dose of it 
very healthy dogs. And if your tone is warm and enthusiastic, it makes it much easier to control the others. But if your tone is not warm, you won't be able to control the others. You will create a talk shop and everybody will be shouting. I just imagine what will happen in some of the political meetings at the local government level. That would be serious. That's why a lot of us probably don't go for political meetings. But there's some order. One final thought I have for you on chairing is the fact that you must set some ground rules. For example, ask people to turn off their phone or to put it on silent. And make sure as a chair, you do not sit down and your phone is ringing every second. Then you've thrown authority and every sense of decor to the mod. You have no right to tell some other person not to pick his call or to go out. Boy, if I am chairing a meeting and your phone rings, I'm talking any form of meeting, whether it's training, I set the ground rules. Maybe I've come into a company, I'm asked to come and share with the management team or the team. The first ground rule I talk about is phones. Everybody put your phones on silent or better still off. The fine will be stipulated. And I'll say, what should the fine be? Normally, they all go 500 and I, I double it. 1,000 naira. And they say, ha. Ah. Now, 1,000 naira for me, if it makes a sound called vibrate, if it rings, it's 3,000 naira. And I don't care who you are. I will take the phone and you will bail yourself out. So what I do, I set up a charity fund when I go to chair meetings. Whether it's a client of mine who has asked and given mandate that I should train the staff or executives, when I enter that room, trust me, your phone dare not ring. There will be consequence. You can't stand up and you can't start talking. You side talks. Every single one's item there misbehavior, we'll put it there and we'll agree there'll be a fee. At the end, charity always takes the lead. We put the monies together and I appoint the class captain and they will take the money to a charity. What I always advise, if it's a company that sells some products, take some of your products and then go over to this particular charity, we'll all agree there, and present this and say, we want to present on behalf of class of XYZ, we present this to you, your misbehavior, our misbehavior as translated into benefit for you guys. That's what I do. That's how I feed charity. You can do the same as chair. After a while, people will line up. So chairing a meeting, tell people to turn off their phones or put them on silent, and you must do as you have said. If you don't, then you've set the stage for all manner of decadence. There is nothing which undermines the dynamic of the meeting more than someone fiddling with their phone or their mobile phones when someone else is trying to make a point. Even to the extent that meetings that I chair or training sessions that I'm back upon that I'm in, the only laptop that will be on will be mine or the designated person in that room. You can't come to the place with a laptop I see folks do it, especially seniors. A lot of them will just walk in with their laptop. Sorry, um, um, I'll be walking. I said, then you have no business here. You can go and walk. You don't have to be here. And they look at me and say, sorry. I say, yes, not just sorry. If your MD said to you to attend this training 
and you want to come with your laptop, not in my meeting. I'm the one, I'm the pilot. You can tell your MD that I said so. Just tell him that ID said so. And people look at me and say, wow, this guy. I say, yes, this guy. What do you want to tell me? I mean, there was a particular meeting I went to speak, and uh, it was a speaking engagement, not a meeting. Yeah, it's a meeting of sorts. And you had the top echelon of this bank. They were all there, the very seniors from AGMs, DGMs, GMs, and directors. Some executives were there. And I got in. I was invited by my friend who was one of the EDs, very seniors, to come and speak to them about something. I picked up the mic and then it was time for us. Just let everybody settle down. Let's go. I noticed that 70% of the hall, these are the big, big guys. Though. They were all fiddling with their phones and all that. And I just said to them, I said, now I see why this, this bank is where it is having problems. Because you guys are very responsible. And when they heard that, they all turned. And, they, you know, this was happening. It was at Golden Tulip Festa some years ago. And I now looked and I said, yes, I mean every word I'm saying. I said, I'm speaking, number one, as a customer. I have an account, a business account with you guys. So this is how indisciplined you seniors are. You're fiddling with your phones. You're here for what you call a business retreat. Why did you invite me? I was invited by the boss, your boss, or your senior colleague, or whatever it is to you, to come. Do you think I want to waste my time? And I said to them, by the way, all of you sitting in this room, very many years ago, this same bank, I was invited. I would have been an executive director 12, 15 years ago. It was about 12, 13 years ago. That's what I said to them at that time. Where were you 12 years ago when I would have been your ED? Because I'm standing here, because you don't even know who's standing ahead of you, you're taking it for granted. You guys just do. Will you all put your phones down? And if you touch it again, I'll walk out of this room. They all, like babies, drop their phones. Until we finish the meeting, nobody touched the phone. Sometimes you need to command the presence. I did that. Sorry, I won't tell you the bank. But I did it. And after that, they got the message. I said, how can you as leaders be so indisciplined? That means your teams will be very indisciplined. That's what I mean. People fiddle with their mobile phones in meetings when someone else is trying to make a point. It's a simple courtesy you observe. In meetings, you observe the same courtesy in the cinema. You observe the same courtesy where you must go to. I mean, in church, you have people, their phones ringing, and I'm like, okay, thank God for mobile phones. Or some people trying to squeeze to talk. You need to observe that courtesy in the office too. If you think running a meeting is hard, being one of the attendees is a lot harder. You can't steer the car from the back seat. So you are utterly dependent on the chair to keep things moving. So guys, from the chair to the attendee, you must have a sense of responsibility. You won't always be lucky. I personally get very bored quickly. And I've been in too many meetings where I really felt I'd lost the will to continue. But the same principle applies for an attendee as it does for the chair. You will get more out of the meeting if you plan in advance. What outcome do you want? And how can you get it? Two critical questions for the chair and for the attendee. What outcome do you want and how can you get it? Once you are clear about what you want, 
It often helps to talk to someone else before the meeting and see if you can get them on your side. It is much better to win the argument before it has begun. And that's why I talked about the okay coral. I am okay, you are okay. It's called a win-win. That you get into a meeting and you have an objective or an outcome, it's okay for you to get that outcome. It's also okay for the other participant to come out feeling good. It's called, I'm okay, you are okay. It's called win-win. You win the argument, you win the relationship. Nobody goes out feeling triumphed or feeling like, you know, the victim. When you are in a meeting, remember that a meeting is a kind of interview in disguise. You're actually being judged by the way you perform. And so for a lot of you that are attendees, you get into a meeting, you are silent as if you are in the temple. It's only in the temple that they say, keep silent. But in meetings, you need to speak. Now, by the way, I'm not saying that even in church meetings, they don't speak. They speak. But here, you find people just keep quiet all through. Ah, I don't want to be quoted. Ah, I don't want to. You will not be quoted. But guess what? You will not have a say. But trust me, one philosophy I've held from my junior to middle to senior executive, and God knows that this thought has been with me from when I was a junior manager. I may not have my way, but I'll have my say. But as I began to grow up the ladder, I began to realize that having my say is actually making a way so that I can you know, get through because I prepare. And interview disciplines apply also in meetings. So what I'm saying is that so interview disciplines apply. They radiate interest and enthusiasm. Keep your comments crisp and clear when you are in a meeting. And remind yourself that you need to be a good listener as well as a good talker. Very many of us go into meetings and we are good talkers. We talk, 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 talk. Oh, oh. If light pass, you go comment. Like my grandmother used to say in those days, God rest her soul. There was a sports commentator called Ishola for Show. I didn't know the man, but it was I knew the man through my grandmother. Once you are outside and you are talking too much, my grandmother will come, she will just say Ishola for Show and she'll pass. Then I'll then take the hint that you are talking too much. Once she says Ishola for Show, I had to go to her one day and say, Grandma, what do you mean by Ishola? She said, wait, the one day the Green Eagles, as they were called, were played. And she now took me to the radio. And I now heard a voice with the same, same old, the days of Ernest Okonkwo. Ishola Folorancho was one of the sports commentators. Ah, she said, that's Ishola Folorancho. From that day, I now understood. But that doesn't mean that I will not speak. Sometimes in a meeting, even me, where the following I talk, so sometimes I can be a good talker and I over talk. I'll have to pinch myself. Let me tell you another tactic. When I chair a meeting or I'm going into a meeting, I have certain people I put beside me. If it's a business meeting, of course, my, my boss and manager, uh, Esther, will be beside me. But it depends on the mood I am. I'm telling you, we are human. It's not all perfect. There are times I'm in a meeting with a client or somebody or some people, and me, I'm a straight shooter. I don't know how to do all this, then, 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 then. No, no, no. Let us speak straight. So everybody goes away happy and we know what the issue is. 
And so maybe I'll say something, she'll just step on my foot and like, chief, cool down. And I'll say, why are you they match my leg? And everybody will just start laughing. And she herself will, I said, why are you matching my leg? You want me not to say what I want? I'll say it. That tells them that what I want to say, I'll say it. Now, honestly speaking, that is a human in you. That is a human being. Those days and those times will come. We're not saying every meeting has to be pam, 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 direct. Some, you also have to go there and show that you're an area boy. If not, they'll go use you. Say what you want to say. Don't be cowed. Don't let anybody intimidate you. Very many Goliaths come into meetings and David and, sorry, the armies of people and soldiers of Israel will keep quiet, but the Davids always speak up. They speak up because they are confident. They speak up because they know they are onions. It's only empty barrels sometimes that makes the most sound. Sometimes, not everybody that is speaking will speak. Let me say this, and um, I know, I hope you guys will not be offended, but as a people, as Nigerians, and I'm talking within the corporate space. Over the years, I observed something that when Nigerians are very bold, we are very, we, we, we are daring, we can speak. But what baffles me in the corporate setting, when the same Nigerians go to certain meetings outside, where maybe it's a company, a multinational, and you have a conference and everybody is coming from their own region, South Africa, East Africa, Central Africa, North Africa, West Africa, blah, blah, blah. And all the regions are represented there. There's something funny that happens. You'll find that the energy in the room, once the Nigerians are well ignited, they take charge of the entire atmosphere. It's also a mark of leadership. They take charge. Then you find the other groups all going back to say, these Nigerians, these Nigerians. Guys, it's a meeting where they are asserting their authority because they know. Very many times we know. Some other times, you find Nigerians on the other side. And these are the ones that are weather-beaten from home, where their bosses would have dealt with them. Their bosses would have been the ones chairing the meeting. They have no say. They have no way. They don't say anything in the meeting. Their own is just, don't boss, yes, sir. Anything the boss says, anywhere beleface, that's where they go. When they now step out of the shores of this country and go for such meetings, you find those Nigerians like weather-beaten chickens. They don't speak. They don't even come to ask questions. They just accept and go back and murmur. That is the impact you have on your team when you're a bully and when you're not a good boss. And you as an attendee, the impact you get, the outcome you get when you allowed your boss, boss you till it becomes even a taxi or aircraft in your life that you will fly from every opportunity to assert yourself. It will affect you. It will affect you down the road to dissipate your confidence and it will take God to restore it or some other person who truly is a servant leader to bring you out of that shell and to shake you and sift you and put you back in the same stream. The other thing I want to tell you concerning meetings, it is that Meetings guarantee and give an opportunity for you to play and be part of shrewd politics. How? You must be seen to be a good listener. It is shrewd politics to be seen to be a good listener. And if you listen to the debate intelligently, you can come in at the end with an opinion 
which is really a summary of everyone else, else's good ideas, but will make it seem like you are the one with the right answer. That's a strategic way I'm giving you something that may help you snowball and present yourself, and then you stand out from the crowd. And I'll repeat it. I said, it is shrewd politics to be seen to be a good listener. And if you listen to the debate within the meeting intelligently, you can come in at the end with an opinion, which is really a summary of everyone else's good ideas. That is, you kind of cum everything up, sum it up, and you present it, and it's fitly spoken, well laid out, like apple in silver. You will make it seem like you are the one with the right answer, and you more or less summarize everything and present it for everybody to eat. And at the end, everybody's going to look at you and say, wow, you know what it is? It's called exemplified wisdom. But you need to speak. Don't go to meetings just being a dogma siesta. You're not an onlooker. You're not a spectator. A good technique to avoid being disappointed by meetings is not to expect too much in the first place. A meeting is simply a committee by another name. And bitter experience teaches us how little committees usually, usually achieve. So friends, the best route is to regard the meeting itself as an opportunity for you to demonstrate your ability, not just as a team player, but as a leader, and to get the decision you want by lobbying the key people outside the meeting. This is just a tip of the iceberg. On Thursday, when we come back, we'll talk about another subject called minutes, which is typified by the outcome of deliberations that come from a meeting. Don't miss it. Same time, same station here at Lagos Talks 91.3. I'll be here at 3 p.m. God bless you. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.